Hey there, and welcome to Ascend and Conquer, a brand new podcast where we talk all about ascending and conquering whatever it is we want to ascend and conquer. These two words hold so much depth, and we all receive and perceive them differently. What do they mean to you? Join Tina Marie weekly along with special guests for a certified fresh episode that we hope will enlighten, revolutionize, give new perspective on life, its obstacles, and how to overcome them. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Ascend and Conquer. Today we have one of the most, I think the word would be a, a great, a gracious, a gregorious, a something fantastical. That is the man that is Daniel Bruce Levin, the author of The Mosaic, amongst so many other things. He has achieved a lot in his life. I would like to give the floor to Daniel to talk a little bit about what he has achieved in life and where he is now. Daniel, how are you today? Oh, I am so well. Thank you so much. It's such a joy to see you again and to be here with you. And I just want to say what an honor and privilege it is to be here. And thank you. When I look back on my life, and I'm a, I'm becoming an old man now, so there's a lot of life to look back on. I have seen that it's been quite a different life than most people. I've had the opportunity to mix with the richest people in the world to sit at their dining room tables, to get counsel from them. And occasionally they ask me for my counsel. And I've been so touched by how kind they've been to me. And I've also been fortunate enough to sit on street corners with the poorest of the poor and sit with them and meet their families. Maybe not their family of birth, but their family of friends. And we shared dinner together. Sometimes it was just the loaf of bread and the cheese and the bottle of wine that I brought to them. But we had a beautiful moment together. And what I've always looked for in my life is not what separates us. I learned how to separate things out very early. I was taught to walk into a perfect room and find 10 things wrong with it in 30 seconds. And when I, when my teacher taught me to do that, I surprised him by finding 11 things that he never even saw. And I thought, wow, that's so beautiful. And he said, Danny, that's a fabulous skill because you'll be able to go everywhere now and you'll see what's wrong with it. And then you'll be able to fix it and help them make it right. Right. And so it seemed like a great thing until I realized that every situation I walked into, I saw the things that were wrong with it rather than the things that were right with it. And that tore me apart. And I watched how finding wrong with things separates us from people. And I wanted to find what are the things that everybody wants that would really unite us. And what I found is over and over again, no matter how rich a person was, no matter what how poor, no matter what religion they practice, what color their skin, what part of the country, the world they came from, what language they spoke, what their family did for a living. People generally wanted the same three things. They wanted to be loved and accepted. They wanted to be listened to and heard. And they wanted to be seen and acknowledged. And when I realized that, I pivoted from being somebody who fixes things to someone who just loves things, that listens to people, that hears people, that sees people. And what I found in that process is that made people feel safe. When they felt safe, their walls came down. And when their walls came down, we had intimacy into me see. I allowed you to see into me, and you allowed me to see into you. And in that intimacy, miracles happened. Bodies started to heal. Relationships started to to change. Uh, And things, people started to take risks that they never could take before. And so something amazing happened. And so 
it really doesn't. I've done a lot of things in my life. You can read my bio and see all that. But none of that's important. The only thing that's important is in this moment, right here, right now. When you listen, you hear something. Do my words and does my heart touch your heart? Does my soul touch your soul? If that happens, who cares what I did before? If it doesn't happen, who cares what I I did before? Every time I have any interaction with you, I feel those things because you have such a powerful energy about you, like a very, you're a strong-willed person that has been, you're very well-traveled, you're cultured, you are understanding, you're patient, you are the definition of what I would call Zen. You are nearly a perfect being in my eyes. Oh, just ask my wife, that you'll know is not true. So what does Daniel what does Daniel Bruce Levin get upset about? Um, so not, it used to be a lot more than it is, but I'll tell you I'll tell you one of my quirks that I just like I'm a pretty giving person. Um and I try and give to everybody and want nothing back from them. And probably it's something wrong in the way that I approach life. Because if I really just say, Hey, I just want to love you and care for you and I don't really need anything back from you, you're yeah. most likely not going to give me anything back. Yeah, but for instance, we're, yeah. So for instance, we're doing these clubhouse rooms now and we've been really, they've been really well received and people are coming from all over to come into the rooms. But I felt like the rooms was trying to say something to me and, and I wasn't able to hear what it was saying. And what I'm sort of feeling it was saying is it's ready to grow bigger and that people are coming in and they're receiving, maybe they're taking, but they're not really giving it to other people it's not like they're sharing it with their friends that the room wants to be bigger not because we want numbers i could care less about numbers, but because right. it's an experiment to see if we could come together in a room that doesn't exist with strangers that don't even know each other and if we can hold the space for them to feel safe enough that they would open up and just be themselves and the experiment's working and now the room says, okay, you got the experiment. Let's, let's have it grow. But people aren't mm-hmm. growing it. And so those types of things hurt me. They don't, they don't upset me, but they hurt me that people don't want to allow something to grow bigger than themselves. And to share that with other people is the ultimate form of love. And no matter how big or small you come to a conclusion that you go, this is so important for the entire collective of humanity. Yes. And you don't share that and you don't spread that and you don't show them with example how to lead with love and encouragement and humility. A lot of it has to do with, I think, the human ego, if we're going to put a psychological term to it. it, In layman's terms, the ego gets in the way a lot. Nobody wants to, not nobody, but many people don't want to share, I think, because they want it all for themselves. But it can't work like that, can it? And, and in essence, what happens if when I when the room was telling me that was what was happening, happening, the room wouldn't permit me to go back into it. So by wanting something all for yourself, you end up losing everything for yourself. And it's just such an interesting experiment because I I tell people this is an experiment. This isn't anything we're doing. Which this is an experiment in consciousness to see what happens. Can we come together and love each other enough? that we can feel safe and can we take this room that doesn't exist into every other room in our life that doesn't exist and can we take these strangers that we don't know to every other stranger we don't know and can we take what we're doing here in the clubhouse and bring it into our house and into our neighborhood and then there's a revolution that has to happen now 
And it's not a revolution right. against anything. It's a revolution of love for something. Yes, absolutely. And do you think that the collective goal of humanity should perhaps be working on the inside of them, of everyone's self first before they can go out and project that onto everybody? Or do you think that they can heal themselves by loving externally? Yeah, I've always been one that, like, people always said you have to put on your air mask before you put on your kids, and I understand the concept. It's just never been the way I've been. I, I, I like, somehow the one that's greater than I has used this broken vessel to give far more than I could ever have on my own. And so I don't believe that I have to have it myself to give it, because I see that I don't have it, and it's just coming through me. And yeah. it's not mine to give. It's something greater than mine to give. And so whoever I am, broken down or whole or, or you know, whatever, the one that's greater than me is so hungry to use whoever he can, she can, to bring love into this world. That if it doesn't matter how shattered your piece is, you're part of this mosaic. And in this mosaic of broken pieces or whole pieces or big pieces or small yeah. pieces, you have a place. And my place yeah. is just to sort of be a window for this one greater than I to come through. How long did it take for you to reach this realization? Uh, you know, I'm 66 and I still haven't gotten there. So <laughs> I'll tell you when I get there. <laughs> I'll be around. I'll be waiting. <laughs> be Don't let me down. <laughs> I'll find you wherever it takes. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and who knows? You know, who knows how long it takes? The only thing I know is that when something feels right, we have to have the courage. Um, let me talk about me because I don't care what anybody, I can't tell what anybody else yeah. can do. I have to have the courage to be able to stand in the truth that I've been given and just say, this is the way I see the world. It doesn't mean I'm not open to the way you see the world. I'm so eager and curious that we can both look at the same exact thing and you see it differently than I do. And I want to know how you see it. And I want to know everything about that because Rather than stand and fight and say, no, the way I see it is right, the way you see it is wrong, which is what so many of us do. Mm -hmm. But I do want to have the ability to stand up and express the passion that I feel and the courage that I have to just continue to do what I know I need to do okay. and, what I've been, and what I've been given to do from this voice inside me that scares the beauties out of me. I'm scared to have to do what I've been given to do. But that's and okay. why is that that you find yourself scared in those in, at times? Because I look at this broken down body, and I look at I look at how how I feel sometimes, and I say I can't, I can't. But I'm about what's in front of me is a trip around the world. What's in front of me is a is to sit on street corners with people that nobody speaks to, to go into boardrooms where people are where people are fighting and, and trying to figure out what to do. To go into places of worship where people love and to go into places of hatred where people hate. To go into schools, to go into hospitals, to go into prisons. And to just sit with people and just love them and listen to them and hear them. It's so simple, really. It really, and, really and I've been given that mission to do it. And I'm scared. I don't know what will happen when, you know, I walk into a white supremacist meeting and they say, you look little tree hugging hippie, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to. We're going to take you out and go for it. I mean, like, I, I'm not scared of dying. You know? right. <laughs> it's okay. I'll be, I'll be sad to leave behind the people that I leave behind. But yeah. it's so, so possible that my wife woke up the other night with a dream that I was out in some back alley with people torturing me for whatever oh. reason. 
And that, and that's, um, that's, you know, if that happens, it happens, you know, I'll, there'll be, I've read stories of, of people that are so much bigger than I, that, that have been confronted in those situations. And wow. what they've said is in those moments, what happened is they just felt bliss. They didn't feel the pain of their body. They just felt as these people were doing these things to them, that God was just loving them and taking them through their journey of where they needed to go. I don't know that I have the courage to do that. I don't know that I can believe that. I don't know that I can find that place. I don't know that I'm worthy of that place. I know you that are. I'm a little fat. I know that I'm a little fat guy who is going to say, "Like, ouch, that hurts." <laughs> oh my goodness! No, I think see, I see your spirit, and I feel like so many people are are waking up to this new level of consciousness that. Uh, it's scaring some people. It's scaring yeah. the people that were so close-minded for so long to be so aware now. And they don't, I feel a lot of confusion from a lot of the faces that I pass by. And I feel there's a sense of fear and uncertainty about what their future holds and what the future of the world holds. But it's a step of progress to this new earth that I know that we all, many of us, share the same plans for creating together and yeah. what do you think of new earth oh gosh it's what funny. is new earth it, it's um bucky fuller said it so beautifully he said we can't change the world with the thinking of the world's thinking we have to create a whole new paradigm that makes the old paradigm obsolete and to me what really um i'll just say it, i believe men have had control of the world for too long and the model that we've used is no longer successful. It's crumbling everywhere we turn. And I believe it's really time for the feminine model to take hold. That feminine model is a model of cooperation rather than competition. That feminine model is a, is a model of love rather than control. That feminine model is a, is a model of embracing and unifying rather than separating. And I believe the moment is upon us for women who are in leadership positions. To find out what it really means to lead as a woman, not as a man. Right. Right now. Able to have that opportunity to learn how to do it properly. Totally. Totally. And I believe it's time, like one of the things I'm, my wife would, is, is, um, like I'm trying to help get this established with a group of women who are ready to take that place and they're beautiful feminine women. You're a beautiful feminine woman. Like, look at you. Right? Why in the world would you take a leadership the leadership ability of a man, because that's not the gifts that you've been given or the gifts that you've been given. And it's going to sound weird, but the feminine way is seductive. It's like a flower that you walk by and the aroma that is so sweet that you can't do anything but stop the smelling. It doesn't say flower, beautiful flower two miles away, beautiful flower two blocks away, beautiful flower 100 meters away. Stop, smell the flower. You don't need to need to. That's what men do. <laughs> the, the, the aroma of seduction just happens and it catches you by surprise. The strongest of men crumble before it and the weakest of men succumb to it. And it's not, it's not the seductress model that's, that we've been given, which is, oh, you whore, you prostitute, you something. It's, it's a feminine way of no, of no resistance. And I just okay. believe that that model has to become present now. Women have to come together and help each other to learn what it's yes. like to be beautiful feminine women, 
greeting in a feminine way, rather, rather than, than knock each other down. Rather than being dressed in three-piece suits like men and thinking I'm going to leave like a man because that's the model of leadership we have. There's a new model that has to be developed, and I, as a man, know that, and I have to step aside. And the where ultimate. Would you like to see? Go ahead. Go. Go ahead. I just. Where would you like to see women in leadership roles? Everywhere. There's nowhere I wouldn't want to see it. And and if it's not women in leadership roles, so I had a really interesting thought the other day. I've always seen that women are leading like men, but I haven't seen that men who are sensitive think that they are women or or they think those are feminine qualities. The, what I realize is that is the essence of masculinity, the essence of a manly man is compassion, is love, is safety, is holding space. It's not it's not violence and control and, and aggression and taking over. It's a real man who knows himself knows how to allow other people to be themselves around him. And that sense is not feminine, that's masculine. Well, in the same way, masculine has to, men have to become men, not mm-hmm. aggressive men, but real By men. By the definition of real man, yes. Real men. And women have to, and when we do that, I've watched, like, I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, an axe in hand, wood cutting man. I've never been that, but I, I have a very strong masculine. And I know when I show up as a man, it gives women permission to be the beautiful women that they are. And that's, yeah. then they feel safe. That, that means, that doesn't mean that they feel that I'm going to take advantage of them. That means that they yeah. feel safe in their femininity around me. And when mm-hmm. people feel safe to be themselves, miracles happen. Absolutely. And you do have this about you that, that made me feel very safe when I came and spoke to you on, con- um, would you like me to keep this in here? Conversations with strangers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Yes. I, so, um, I cried. You, you were the first person to ever make me cry on a podcast and I opened uh, up to you almost instantly. I never have told my story. So. That's still up on YouTube. I'll put that in the description. But I just, Please. you really brought that out of me because that was another, you're a, a person that I wouldn't feel fair for me to say a like-minded individual because we are, like you said, and your book's name, The Mosaic, we are all pieces of the mosaic. We are all one another. And I have strongly believed that my whole life. And when you find other like-minded people, you build this community, even if you don't have you can't touch the person you can't see the person you might not even know who they are but their energy and your energy is combining something is happening beside behind the scenes that was such a big moment for me and everybody who heard that because to have the courage everybody could see that that wasn't something that you naturally normally have done and to have the courage in front of that of me and the people that would listen to that from me, from my crowd of people and your crowd of people, um, those are breakthrough moments that never change. And when we allow those breakthrough moments to multiply upon each other, then it gives other people courage to have breakthrough moments as well. And you gave a That's lot of people good. courage to say their story by speaking that up. So um, congratulations to you. That people think it's me that does something. I don't do anything. I just hold space. And people in that space feel comfortable enough that they say, okay, I want to share something. That's the world we need to be living in. The world where we're safe. A world where we listen. 
you know, and we're received and we're not judged and we're just the only time I've ever had problems in my conversations with people is when I've had an agenda. When I've tried to make them see something I wanted them to see. Those yeah. always go south. Well, yeah, because it's not coming from a place of uh, ingenuity. Is that the correct yeah. word? Yes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and so people are so original when they're given the opportunity to be original. But we just follow in the tracks of other people who have been successful, thinking that if we do that, we'll be successful too. And we might make money, but we might lose our fulfillment. And we don't want to and lose our fulfillment. Absolutely. Yeah. So based on that, I do have this question for you. Where do you feel your self-worth comes from? There was a certain point in time where I had been devastated so much that there was almost no way I could get any lower. Um, I had an affair. I told my wife about the affair. She developed late-stage breast cancer. She went through the most painful death she could ever imagine. The woman who I had the affair with was so upset that I wasn't coming with her. She ended up suing me in the community that I was in um, for sexual harassment. Wow. And um, it, it was just a bad time. I'm still paying the price of that because... When my when my wife passed away from cancer, we decided to put the money that we had in the trust fund for my daughter, who's developmentally delayed. That trust fund has been the bane of my existence because it now controls what we can do for my daughter and what we can't, which has never been the intention. The intention was to give her the best life possible, but now it's paying right. off other other people's things. And so, one mistake over the course of a period of time just brought me to my knees and then somewhere along the line I said what would happen if it was okay to be me? What would happen if just all my all my ugliness, all my beauty all my shame, all my glory all my happiness that's just who I am, it's okay and if I could take away the wall that made me hide that from other people, what would that be like? And the moment I realized it was okay to be me, I was fine, it was just that simple was it instantaneous for you? Pretty much instantaneous. It See, just, it's like when you set your mind to something and you have a goal or an objective, as my co-host yeah. Brandon likes to say, you have a goal and objective and you stay straight on the path to it, then if your goal or objective is to find that inner peace and feel like you are worth something no matter what you're going through, then you can make that happen. I... and. Yeah, I, I agree with that, I guess. I don't have many goals and objectives. Mm-hmm. I have one goal. And my, my goal is to try and align myself with the voice inside. And, and that's taken me away from the, like so many people would look at my life, but I've been so, I walked away from running a multi-billion dollar company. I left, I left an ordination. I would, I left, uh, a training one day before I was ordained. I I left a company that I helped grow from three million to a hundred million dollars a year in sales. And so people don't do those types of things, but I did it because they no longer felt like they were that my inside voice didn't feel like that was the right thing. I'm walking away right maybe from the clubhouse rooms that we've built to have a hundred, hundred and fifty people. It's not a lot, but it's you know it's a, it, it, in a short period of time, it's grown, but it yeah. just doesn't feel right. And so, yeah. 
my commitment, my only guide, guiding star is what my inner voice says. And I've been saddened. That's what makes me sad or what upsets me. I think is what you said. But I'm, I'm not upset by much, but what makes me sad is how few people take the time to know themselves. And to go off of that a little bit, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I also feel as if I personally get sad or and, and also not upset because I'm generally a happy person, but it does make me sad to see people that have so much potential to be a light in the world use their platforms or their looks for other things or their money for things that don't mean anything because you can't take it with you when you're gone. And it's the impact you make on people, the experiences you create around the ones you love and for yourself and the steps you take to keep on ascending so that you can conquer what our goal or mission is here together. I have I have a soft space in my heart for people. And even if they even if they do all the things that they shouldn't do, because God knows I've done all the things that I shouldn't do. And it's it's made my heart soften to people and just say, everybody will like just like that moment where I, I did something terrible, but in that moment I realized it's okay to be me. Then all of a sudden and I changed then that moment suddenly became one of the best moments of my life. So I never know what's a good thing or not a good thing. I, mean, I don't even know if there is a good thing or not a good thing. I just know that somehow we are walking a road that has been so perfectly chiseled for us. And we walk along that road. And what I realized is that I sit in the palm of God's hand. And sometimes he raises his hand up like this, and I say, wow, the view's amazing. And sometimes he goes all the way down to the ground to tie his shoes, and I go, oh, my God, I'm like in the pits here. But what I realize, I'm still in the palm of his hand. And it doesn't matter whether I'm high or low, because really what matters is I'm just enclosed in his hand. And when I, yeah, I'm safe, and I'm held by him. And when I realize that he's with me every step of the way, it doesn't really matter anymore where I go, except... I am still scared of walking into those places where they could harm me, like I said earlier. So there's, you know, I'm not there, but I know my philosophy is there. I just don't know that I have the courage to live my philosophy. Well, it seems like you've lived a lot of, I mean, you've put, you've had so much courage from what I know about you already. I mean, you went and became a monk for 10 years, was it? Ten years, yeah. And and what was that experience like? Was it a silent experience? is it called a retreat? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, don't be sorry. It, we were we were um, a group of brothers that were part of a. Uh, it was in a yoga community, so we were a group of brothers, and we had a group of sisters also that were nuns. Um, but we stayed pretty isolated from them. But but we still worked in the world. Um, but we got up and we uh, early in the morning and we said and we we devoted our life. The monastery that I was in wasn't about what you couldn't do. It was about what you did do. So rather than say, we don't do this, we don't do that, we said, this is what we do. We just love that. And so in everything that we do, whether it's working, whether it's it's speaking, whether it's digging ditches, whether it's you know serving food to people, we want to just make sure that we do it all with our partner. And I remember just something that sums it up for me so well. I would sit because my brothers would sit with 
and we would sit for lots of hours a day in meditation. So sometimes I would sit as many as 18 hours a day in meditation, and I would work the other hours. I would work six or eight hours a day and work, you know, and so I'd come back, I'd wake up, I'd, or I wouldn't wake up, I'd just take a little nap, I'd come in and sit. And one day I found myself just alone in the meditation room, and I had fallen asleep, and I woke up and I chastised myself, and I said, Danny, you know, when you need to sleep, you go to bed. When you meditate, you meditate. When you pray, you pray. When you eat, you eat. You know, you don't sleep in the place where you pray. And I was chastising myself and making myself feel bad because I had fallen asleep. And I heard the voice of my beloved say to me, Danny, why do you chastise yourself? And she said, I love that you fall asleep in my arms. And I love that when you wake up, I'm the first thing you see. And so don't worry, just just sleep in my arms. If you get tired, I'm here to hold you. And when you wake up, pray with me and sit with me and love me. So it made me, in that moment, realize this beloved that I had fallen in love with wasn't someone who was looking to find fault with me. They were like, she was looking to hold me and love me and support me and say, it's okay, just, just do what you have to do, I'm here. And it was such an intimate, beautiful moment. That's that's what the monastery was to me. It was the love affair that I have now with my wife, but with a divine being that I could feel. I left because I got a little lonely, even in feeling that. I wanted to I wanted to be able to hold the physical touch of another human being. And I wasn't right. able to do that much. I could hug people. You know, I was a big hugger all the time, so I like to hug people. And, um, but then... I found that in my hug, I started to feel more that I wanted more than a hug. What happened that made you tear up? Oh, just the feeling of um, what just I was feeling what you were saying so much. It resonated with me on another level. I just could because we have that strong connection. I just yeah. I felt um, I felt it. I don't think yeah. I have another. I don't think I have anything profound to say to okay. match my tears. <laughs> Well, what your 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 silence and your tears are profound. So I love that. And so, and I just want to say, you know, we haven't seen each other in a long time. We haven't talked to each other in a long time. But I feel so honored to spend this time with you because you're just someone really close to me. And I I just hope you know that. I I know that, and I got this terminology from you. I mirror that back to you my friend I hear it back to you and I've been using that ever since you said it to me yeah I love that right that's a good mirror I love that yeah Yeah, and and how is any of that even possible you know how is it possible to feel such strong beautiful feelings for someone you've never met I mean you could say look she's a beautiful woman you know and so that's easy but that isn't the place that it's coming from it's coming from this mm-hmm. place where your heart and my heart just want to dance together like they've danced before. And it's not sexual, it's not sensual, maybe it might be sensual because every part of me feels it, but it's not sexual. It's and, intimate. And how does, it's intimate, yeah. And how is it possible to have such intimacy with someone you've never you've been in presence, in your presence, you just saw them through a camera, or, but I thought it even before I saw you through the camera. And that meant so much to me because Upon talking to you, I was so nervous. I'm like, wow, this this man has accomplished and done so much. And he says the most profound things I've ever heard. And he is just so smart. And he has accomplished this and that. And he's so centered. What am I going to do? Oh, no, I'm going to cry. And so I, I thank you. I, I feel more than honored every time I get to speak to you. And I hope that we can 
have you back on to speak with my co-host Brandon as well in the future. And to, I would definitely love to see more of you and to have more of your story shared on, on our show as well, if you'd be willing. My honor. my honor. And it would be, I just want to know that this is the beginning, not the end. So let's just enjoy whatever that is that happens. Absolutely. And um, I'd like to give you a few moments, Daniel, to please plug any of your socials or work that where they can find the mosaic or any of any of those types of things. So the easiest place to get the mosaic is on Amazon. It's the big behemoth in the in the room. You know, it's it's available in audio. If people like my voice, it's available also on Reddit, so it's an audio book. Um it's available as hardcover, it's available as a Kindle. Um so Kindle an audio you can get just immediately. It doesn't matter what part of the world you live in. It's just a link that you get. Um, you can go to my websites. I have DanielBruceLevin.com, and I also have TheMosaicOnline.com. We're we're redoing those a little bit. My greatest thank you, thank you. My greatest complication is house. I I'm a man that wants to be simple. But my mind is so complex. So getting rid of some of the complexities and just being simple in the way I present. I'm working with a woman right now who's helping me do that and she's spectacular. So um, I love it. I love the um the you're such an artist. I just I can see and that's why I can appreciate your website and I can navigate it properly because I, I my it. mind goes, Oh, I need to go here. Ooh, this is I'm gonna click on this. Wow, he's spoken in all of these places. Wow, he's done that. I didn't know that. You go to your website, you learn something new about Mr. Daniel Bruce Levin over here. You're just a fantastic person. I can't uh, give you enough compliments. And I really want to just say thank you again for coming on and taking your time to speak with me again. I am really excited about the future. I feel like we are headed in a direction that humanity can save itself right now. And we need to take that opportunity to keep spreading that positive news to everyone and sharing that love and light well as long as you exist in the world there will always be light and so just keep your light shining so and that's what each one of us have to do it doesn't matter if we're little pinpoints in the midst of darkness any on any of us who have light we just have to keep it shining no matter how much we get abused or taken advantage of or, di- or tried to shut down we'll just keep shining and if we die because we shine die because we shine it's better than dying because we don't shine so thank you thank you big love to you thank you for having me big love to you and i love you stay amazing we will be in touch and everyone that was daniel bruce levin and all of his links will be in the description so thank you daniel again have a beautiful day